Hi, everybody. This is Blaine DeSantis, and I welcome you to the new edition of Books and Looks. Well, I am excited today. I don't know about you, but I am really pumped and excited as we come to the end of January, and we are getting an expanding circle of listeners. More people are listening to this every week, and it's not me, folks. It's you because you're spreading the word. Thank you so much for sharing things about books and looks, things I'm reading, things I'm watching, things I'm seeing as I look out my windows. I appreciate you spreading, sharing, and everybody else taking part of this, well, really, groundswell of people with books and looks. Not only that, we are seeing good, good numbers for our AI podcast. That's right, our artificial intelligence podcast on views on books, where they will read, that's right, a computer. I don't know who that person is, but they read my book reviews. It's spectacular. On the go. So that's there too. And I want to tell you what, I'm very proud, very, very happy and proud to now be a part of the Book Trib, booktrib.com contributor of podcasts. That's right. I am part of their podcast hub. And this is a wonderful, wonderful resource for readers. There are book reviews, there are previews for what's coming on, there's blogs, there's interviews, and there are podcasts. And I am one of the few that has been chosen to be part of that podcast group. That's right, booktrib.com. We are there. And I'm going to tell you what, I thank so much to all the people at BookTrib for picking us up. We've been working hard, but they know the quality that we've been doing out from when we started on viewsonbooks.com. And you know what? This is just the culmination if you have a chance, folks, please go to their website, booktrib.com. I think you're going to really like it, and I think you're going to learn a lot more about books than even I can tell you, which is pretty obvious. I, I only read so many, but they, they have hundreds of things out there. So anyway, hey, let's get started, and what a book. What a book I have for you today. We have got the book called Bad City, Bad City by Paul Pringle, P-R-I-N-G-L-E. It's 292 pages. It's from Celadon Books. And folks, this is a spectacular read, a great read, a book we should all be reading and thinking about. Because this, you know, if you know me, if you learned about me through podcasting, you know I love Los Angeles. I love L.A. Like Randy knew, remember? I love L.A. Yeah, that's me. Me and Randy, we love L.A. And my time there was tremendous, but while there, I became a devotee of L.A. noir books, L.A. noir movies. Well, we're back in L.A. again. We're not with noir in terms of fiction. No, this is nonfiction. We're back. Oh, yeah, we are back with one of the most amazing nonfiction books I have read, and it all takes place just a few short years ago, like from 2016 to 18. Paul Pringle. That's a name you want to remember. This is the author. He also writes for the LA Times, LA Times investigative reporter. This is no slouch, my friends. This man has won four Pulitzer Prize awards. Yeah, four. Most people are happy to get nominated. This guy's won four times. And this book is all about the city of the angels and what I call a modern day LA noir. And the book is all about Pringle's attempts to investigate and publish a, an investigative story about a report of an overdose of a young lady in her 20s that occurred in a Pasadena luxury hotel. And it occurred in a room 
that was paid for by a 69-year-old gentleman by the name of Carmen Pugliafito, who at the time was the director of the USC Keck School of Medicine. Yeah, the head of the Keck School of Medicine. He's paying for rooms for a young 20-some-year-old girl where she ODs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not only was he present when she OD'd, he also had a camera set up in the room that was going to tape everything that was going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Things got a little kinky in the city of Pasadena. Yeah. And one, luckily, one hotel person was so upset, he reported it. He called in the 911 because Mr. Pugliafito would never call in the 911. It took another person to call it in. What type of what type of person is this? What what are we looking at? And it took months and months and almost a year till we got to the bottom of this whole thing. It turns out he was not just supplying drugs to this one young girl. He was supplying drugs to other young people, including getting a minor, yeah, under the age of 18, hooked on meth, still hooked on meth years and years later. Yeah, he would buy them drugs, give them drugs, give them money, buy them apartments. He wasn't going through a midlife crisis. He was going through the end-of-life crisis, if you ask me. And this gentleman would even then pay to put them into rehab. And then while they were there, he would give them drugs. That's right. I mean, this guy was freaking sick, okay? And it was all told. They had heard about this. They closed their ears to this. Who did? The city of Pasadena the police department, Los Angeles, the police department, and worse yet, the people at the University of Southern California. They had been told about this again and again. They had heard the rumors. People tried to get a hold of them to tell them what was going on. They refused to listen. They refused to do anything because USC is like God Almighty out there in Los Angeles. Just so you know, I always was a UCLA booster, just so you know that, okay? But The thing is, this is a story about a downfall, not just to Mr. Pugliafito, but it helps understand all the people who are going to lose their jobs because of this. Maybe that's why they were worried, because people's jobs are on the line. Eventually, this story brings down the president of the University of Southern California. Eventually, a a gynecologist a, quote, creepy gynecologist in a completely different case at USC, lost his job. Eventually, the editors of the LA Times lost their jobs. Why? Because they refused to publish the story because they were in bed with USC. You don't want to upset good old USC. I'm telling you, folks, it is an amazing, amazing story. It is a story that you want to read and It's about a cover-up. It's about one cover-up, but then there's another cover-up. Like I said, we begin the story with this young girl who ODs, and that is about this Mr. Pugliafito. But then through the investigation of one thing, we get to another cover-up of this gynecologist situation, which they knew about and did nothing for two decades. Really? And then, guess what else explodes at this very time? You may have heard of this, Varsity Blues. That's right. It's the pay-for-admittance that all the big celebrities and all the big people were paying 
to get their kids into schools, elite schools, as being like a walk-on for the volleyball team, and they never played volleyball. Okay, this all began during that time, and the biggest the biggest beneficiary of this was, yep, University of Southern California. I'm telling you, folks, it is a marvelous book. It is a wake-up call. It is a book of great investigative reporting, and I think you are really going to like it. It's called Bad City by Paul Pringle. If you haven't read it, folks, again, my year of discovery, I discovered this, and I'm, A, I'm happy I did, and B, I'm pretty peeved that I had to read about something like this that's been going on and nobody does anything about this. And these are people out there preying on our young people, preying on college students who are just out of college. I mean, it's just terrible what's going on here. But anyway, this is L.A. Noir at its very best, except it's not fiction, folks. It's real. It's dirty. It's gritty. Yeah, it all goes on, still goes on, right under our nose in the City of Angels. And with that, I want to now go over to an interview. We've got a lovely young lady. Her name is Faith Matson, who I think you're going to enjoy. She is one of the head publicity people for Ocean View Publishing. And as you know, I love the books of Ocean View Publishing, and Faith is going to be here with us and going to tell us a little bit about herself and Ocean View. So without further ado, let's go to that interview. And as promised, we now have a new interview for you with a lovely young lady. Her name is Faith Matson. She is the public relations guru, I will say, for Ocean View Publishing. And she's coming to us from, well, somewhere down in Florida. Where are you located at, Faith? Thank you for having me. I am in St. Petersburg, Florida. All right. Now, is that the home of Ocean View Publishing? Ocean View is based in Sarasota, Florida. So it's about an hour south of where I live. We all work remotely, but meet together sometimes in Sarasota. Wonderful. Tell me, you you sound like a young lady, very young as a matter of fact, especially compared to me. What's your educational background and how did you get into PR for a book publishing company? So I went to Florida State University and I just graduated in 2021, in July of 2021, with a degree in editing, writing, and media. So my intentions during college were always focused on book publishing. I've always been a really passionate reader, a little bit of a writer. I did some journalism in college, so I sort of knew what I wanted to do when I graduated. And there are not really many publishing opportunities in Florida, (laughs) believe it or not. That's just not really where the book publishing industry is based. So I was really, really fortunate to find a job with Ocean View. And it's been a really lovely company to work for. I came on originally as a publishing assistant for them. So I did a lot of the background stuff, which is still extremely important. But it was things like metadata and how our books appeared online, setting up appointments. And then a couple of months in, they promoted me. And so now I do their marketing and I do a little bit of editorial for them as well. But my main job is marketing and publicity. Wow. Okay. Well, you just dove right in there, didn't you? <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. That's 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 amazing story. How you were able to get a job in Florida with the with the publishing company. And well, I I've always been telling if on my podcast or on my website, I always pro- give props to 
Ocean View Publishing. I think you've got great authors and great books. And give the give the uh, listeners out there a little bit of background and what type of books do we usually get from Ocean View Publishing? Ocean View specializes in mystery, thriller, and suspense books. We do fairly traditional mystery thrillers and suspense, so you're not going to find anything too dystopian or too horror-esque. You know, nothing's going to be super gruesome or crazy like that. It's very traditional, but I would say all of our books are extremely well-written. They're fast-paced. They're riveting. They're all books that we would want to pick up and read when we see them in a bookstore or a library. You know, and as I like to say, this podcast is about real books for real readers. Yeah, exactly. And, and you guys slot right in there. Now, do you do cozy mysteries? We do not really do cozy mysteries. We have one series that we sometimes throw in the cozy genre. It's the Inishowen Mysteries by Andrea Carter, and they are set in Ireland and feature an Irish solicitor, uh, which is a lawyer. And so those are sort of Agatha Christie-esque. They don't really have any violence, but the cozies that are popular today. Right, right, which are set in Blueberry Hill on Strawberry yeah. Town and, <laughs> and intersect with Chocolate Lane. It's just That's the right. thing that drives me nuts about cozy mysteries is the uh, obviously phony, phony made up towns, cities, streets, and people and how the police are always uh, the most incompetent people in the world. Well, okay. So now, right now, what are some of the uh, the big books that are out right now from Ocean View Publishing? What, what, what's leading your chart? So one of our biggest releases of last year, I would say, is called Mystic Wind. And it is a legal thriller by a debut author named James Barreto. It's set in the Boston area. And that book has really grown a large fan base. It's wonderful. It talks about, I believe it's a defense attorney, and he is trying to resurrect his faltering legal career. He gets a great job, but then he gets a really tough case. And so it's a very complex situation that he's thrown into. And it's just, it's very well written. Lots of people have loved that book. That and name is Mystic Wind? Mystic Wind by James okay. Barreto. Yes. Great. Okay. What else do you have? We also have a book that came out in November. It's called Doomed Legacy by Matt Coyle. Matt is one of our biggest authors. He writes a series called the Rick Cahill P.I. Crime Series. And mm -hmm. Doomed Legacy was book number nine in that series. And it features the protagonist, Rick Cahill, who is a private investigator in the La Jolla, California area. And he is just this character who is so driven by the pursuit of justice that he sometimes puts his he definitely puts his own life at risk he sometimes puts his family's life at risk and he just wants to get victims of crimes the justice that he believes they deserve whether he works within or a little bit outside the bounds of the law it's a very hard-boiled traditional pi series and it's wonderful Good. Are we going to find Ocean View books at our Barnes & Noble, at our Costco, or where, where do we pick up the books from Ocean View? So we are available pretty much anywhere online where you will find your books. 
We are available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, you know, any of those major retailers. In terms of physical Barnes & Nobles, you're welcome to order our books into their stores. If you go and request them, you're able to do that. You can request them at independent bookstores and they can order them in for you. But it is a little bit tough to get distributed nationally by them. I won't bore you with all of those details. <laughs> no, but that's, that's one of my issues that I have with the big boys is that it, you know, it, it wants the people that they know are going to sell. For instance, we're going to have how many uh, James Patterson books every year? 22, because they know people are going to buy them, okay? And they don't want to give these new writers or maybe new publishing companies, they don't want to give them any space, and they don't want to get them out there, and people are missing out on a lot of really good reads. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I can't say that I understand all of their you know, business implications and all of their decisions. So I can't pass any judgments on them, but they do also, they have had a push toward running things more at a local level lately, which is great for their store managers. The store managers have a lot more control over what they carry in their local stores, but it is harder for authors to be distributed outside of their local area unless they physically travel there and pitch their books to those local store managers. It's a lot less national than it was before. Well, so now that's that been interesting us, to navigate. <laughs> this That brings us to you. As a public relations marketing media specialist, what do you have to do in order to get these books known and uh, you know that people know about it? Well, I pretty much, you know, hold up my megaphone and try to get it, you know, as well known as possible wherever I can. We we work with a distributor, so in terms of our bookstore sales, I don't I don't work directly to get books into the stores, but my main goal is to try to get the book as much review coverage as possible. So I'm always pitching our authors to podcasts, to Instagrammers and TikTokers and blogs and you know, just random people who will review it on Goodreads and Amazon. And, oh, I just, and that's hard. That's yeah, hard to review it on Amazon. It's a lot of, <laughs> yes. Amazon is picky with their reviews. I just had, I had a gentleman on the other day by the name of John Constable who wrote a very nice book called The Chanteuse from Cape Town. And he was lamenting to me just yesterday that he can't get it on Amazon because they'll have the Kindle edition, but not the paperback edition. They don't show the cover of the book. And unless you buy the book, you can't review it on Amazon. And that's sort of changed in a way. At one time, you know, they've gone to these verified readers, verified users, because I guess a lot of bots were starting to put uh, reviews on and they tried to tighten it up. And now I can't get stuff on Amazon, despite the number of books I read. It's very hard for me to get my reviews onto that unless I bought the book from Amazon. So, yeah, maybe yeah, they are like very me. stringent. Well, I know, you know, I know I get most of my books or how I found you was from the books I got free from NetGalley. And while while that does not put put dollars in, in your author's pockets, it got you noticed by me. It got me liking the Ocean Review books, and I love them. Yeah, and that's why we use NetGalley to spread the word as much as we can. A lot of book reviewers use NetGalley, so that's been a great tool for us. Yeah, we were talking with a bunch of uh, the authors about self-publishing. And do you, do you ever pick up authors who were previously self-published and now they are working with you? We do. Yeah. I would say 
we probably have a handful of those. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good because I'm hearing that a lot of these times, once they're self-published and get a little bit of a following, it's easier then for them to get with publishing companies. So that's what I like. Yeah, it definitely depends on how well the self-published book did. <laughs> we we do want someone who had a book that did well. We're not going to pick up someone who had a flop. But if it's clear that the book has done well and they have a nice following, then certainly we'll publish them. Yeah. So when I publish my mystery that I'm doing right now here at home, and I have 15 readers, I, I guess I'm not going to be picked up by Ocean View Publishing. I mean, you never know. You might as well submit. <laughs> do you have anything to do with the actual selection of what books are going to be published by Ocean View? So I have a very small role sometimes in terms of the acquisitions process. The acquisitions are primarily done by Bob and Pat Gussin, the co-owners of Ocean View Publishing. Bob is the CEO and Pat is the editor-in-chief. And so they receive agented submissions. Pretty much all of our authors work with literary agents. And then Bob and Pat will generally make that decision themselves over whether we take a book or not. But if they're ever on the fence, they will come to me to sort of give them my opinion on the book from a marketing perspective and whether I think the plot is intriguing enough to catch people's attention. Well, now, we've talked about books that have been successful. What do we have coming up in the pipeline that we should be looking for uh, in the next month or two with Ocean View? Yeah. So actually, one book that just came out last week, it's called Killer Story. That one has been a really exciting book for us because it's slightly different than some of our traditional books. It's a psychological thriller by Matt Witten, and it is actually about a woman who starts a true crime podcast. And she is a journalist. She's gotten laid off from three different failing newspapers in a row, and she's about to be laid off from her fourth. And to try to save her job, she starts this true crime podcast about a girl who she knew in her childhood, and this girl became an alt-right YouTuber. But Petra, the protagonist, still has an affection for the girl, even though their views are quite different. So Petra launches this podcast to investigate the girl's murder, and Petra ends up going down this rabbit hole of succumbing to clickbait greed and a lot of stuff that is morally gray, I would say. But it, it is a really interesting book, especially for those who are interested in true crime or podcasting. And I have a copy of that here. I have started that. I'm enjoying it. It reminds me somewhat of the Hulu show, uh, Only Murders in the Building. I don't know if you ever saw yeah, that. that. Yeah, it does have a little similarity to that mm -hmm. show. Yeah, we have a podcast. We have Steve Martin there and uh, I forget, Martin Short and Selena Gomez and that one. And then actually by the second season, they bring in Tina Fey as a, a true crime podcast person. And that's uh, that's pretty neat. So this I found this really, really, uh, uh, what's the proper word I'm looking for? It's very relevant right now, these uh, podcasts. So that's great. Anything, another one you might have? Yeah, in March, March 7th, we have a book called Burning Distance coming out. And this book is also a little different than our usual, but it is wonderful. It's a historical thriller and it's pretty literary. 
and it is about this girl and it follows her over about a decade or two of her life. It's a very wide spanning book and uh, her name is Lizzie. And when she's, I believe, 10 years old, her father is killed in a plane crash and her mom and her sisters move to England. Her mom remarries. And so there's this whole family dynamic between the step-siblings and the stepfather and Lizzie and her sisters. And then she finds out that her father, she thinks, was part of the CIA. And she's trying to figure out was his plane crash a murder. And then another murder kind of strikes her family. So she's caught up in that. And then on top of all of this, she ends up falling in love with a boy at her school in London whose father is an arms dealer. And this is all set during the Gulf War. So he is constantly being moved all around because of his father. And Lizzie is in love with him. And she's caught up in all of this war and, you know, horrific events in her life. But it is a really compelling book. And the protagonist is just beautifully written. This is by Joanne Leadham Ackerman. She's just a wonderful author. It's Burning Distance by Joanne Leadham Ackerman. And well, it's fantastic. Tell you, that, those sound good. I, I know we could talk for an hour here, but we have to, there are some time constraints. We have two big sellers and we've got two that are coming out. Now, if I want to go to uh, Amazon, can I just type in Ocean View Publishing and, and your books will show up? You can. You can do that, or you can go to our website, which is oceanviewpub.com. I think it's easier to browse all of our books that way, and then we have links to any retailer that you want to buy it from, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, what have you. There you go. Wow, you can't make it any easier than that. Listen, we are hoping that in a couple months you're, you'd be willing to come back again. Would that be okay with you? Absolutely. I would love to. Oh, great. Well, that's wonderful. We'll bring you back. I'd like to have you every few months tell us what's going on at Ocean View, the new books, the big hits, and I won't talk about flops, okay? But we know there are some of those now and then. But anyway, hey, Faith Matson, thank you so very, very much for taking time from your schedule to talk with us today, get a little bit of background and insight into both you and what's going on with Ocean View Publishing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks so very much, Faith. That was a wonderful, wonderful interview. And you know what, folks? We're going to have Faith on every uh, two or three months telling us about what's going on at Ocean View Publishing. That's right, friend of the podcast, Ocean View Publishing, and Faith Matson. I think you're going to enjoy hearing from her on a periodic basis. Again, it's midway through, and we got to talk just a moment about the good folks at the Greenville Podcast Company. That's right, my son, Nathaniel. My producer, my executive, my chief cook and bottle washer, putting together a wonderful, wonderful uh, studio. More podcasts coming out. Just got another person today. We got people coming in from out of state now who are wanting to have podcasts. They contact him. We can do it remotely. I don't do anything. I talk, but he can do it all remotely. The Greenville Podcast Company. And just because you're hearing me on this podcast, I've got the website. That's right. Viewsonbooks.com. And there you're going to read all the reviews. You're going to hear all the blogs. You're going to see written interviews. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't read some of these interviews, we've got great, great interviews that are up there that have been posted. And I think you're going to really, really enjoy that. Please take a few moments to go there. If you don't know what book, type it up. Type in the book title. Maybe we've got it reviewed there somewhere because we got a lot of books that we're reviewing. Anyway, lots happening here. And 
Now it's time for me to go to the looks portion. What am I looking at? And, you know, this is International Week for me. It's not that things are not going on nationally, but they are. But you know what? You hear all the people talk about that. I want to talk about some a couple little international things, if you don't mind. And one of the saddest things I had to read about was over in China. Now, over in China, they do their home buying, what we call ass backwards, okay? Here, you know, you buy the house, you get the mortgage, and you pay for it. Over in China, listen to this, you pay for the house before it's built. That's right. You go out and you take a mortgage and you pay on this mortgage and they somehow sometime build you a house. That This is common over there. They have these giant apartment complexes. I've been fortunate enough to travel to South Korea and to China and I've seen these things. I mean, blocks and blocks and blocks of these 34, 40-story high apartment units and each one is never built until they get the money to build it. Now, here the, here the developers get the money, build something, then sell it. Not there. And so these poor people, I do mean this, there are a lot of poor people over there in the sense that they have been hooked and they have gotten their mortgage and they have been paying on their mortgage and the, the apartment buildings or the houses are not being built. And there they sit, just an empty shell two, three years into things, nothing is happening, okay? That's, that's that's a crime. And again, that's their system over there, and I I don't like the way they run their system over there, but that's what everybody got used to. But finally, they're fighting back. That's right. They're around eight or ten very, very large towns over there. <laughs> a lot of large towns, but they're very, very large towns also. 90%, supposedly, of the new mortgage holders have stopped paying their mortgage. They're not paying anymore. There's a revolt. There's a protest. You know, people always think that, oh, will China collapse due to the United States? No, China will collapse due to themselves. You can't keep doing to people what they're doing over there. And here's a whole lot of people who have lost all their money, lost all their savings, and nothing. I mean, one lady bought an area that was going to be a store for her son. Nothing. Another lady bought a house. Well, I shouldn't say a house, a, an eighth-floor apartment, two-bedroom for herself and her in-laws or her parents to stay with them. Beautiful view. It all looks perfect. Cost around half a million dollars. Nothing's done. Oh, yeah, the cement is there. That's it. Nothing happens. And you go down the story after story. It's a story. It's heartbreaking, folks, because these people are now been, well, I don't know if they'll ever recover a lot of those people. And say what you want to say about the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party, you got you to gotta feel for the people over there. You got to feel for the people. And I know we've been hearing all about the people and their no COVID policy and boom, 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 boom. But I'm going to tell you why. This bit with the housing, this bit with people losing all their money is not nice. It's such a shame. And I've seen this this week, and so I've seen the pictures, and I'm just appalled at what's been going on over there and saying, thank God it doesn't happen here. You know, yes, over here there are problems. Yes, we know there are scams going on, but nothing to the extent like going on over there in China. And like I said, you take a look at so many of those people, so many people who have invested their earnings, their future earnings, into apartments or houses, 
and they're not even being built because remember, they don't build it until you give them your money. Aye, aye, aye. Now, my second and last thing I'm looking at this week, uh, it all comes down to my son. That's right. You've heard me talk about Nathaniel. Well, Nathaniel, the other day, I was talking about what I'm going to, what type of TV shows I'm watching. He says to me, Dad, now that we have watched Emily in Paris, there's nothing worth watching on TV anymore. Okay. If you haven't watched Emily in Paris, don't feel like you have to rush out and watch that, okay? Now, if you have watched it, you know that there are many more better shows than Emily in Paris out there. But Nathaniel, he got hooked on Emily in Paris. Not only that, my daughter did too, Sarah. Sarah out in Denver. What's she doing? She says, oh, Dad, you've got to watch Chippendales. Chippendales on Hulu. What? A bunch of male strippers who dance around on stage? Sarah, 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 come on. I'm 69 years old. I don't need to watch stuff like that. Okay? I know it's a documentary or a limited series based upon real events, but still, I'm, I have other things going to watch rather than the Chippendales. But, Sarah, you feel free to watch that. So what am I watching, folks? Folks, for the last two years, I have become hooked on international television shows. That's right. I have been absolutely hooked on these TV shows because I believe these are the best shows on television right now. And I know, I know that you may have to use and read subtitles. But at my age, sometimes with my hearing, I put subtitles on for English language programming. So I'm used to reading. Oh, my word. The programs that are coming out right now from South Korea are out of this world. Some of the biggest, biggest shows are are from South Korea. I know a lot of people got hooked on this show Pachinko earlier this year. But there are other shows from South Korea that are out of this world, and I've been watching them. Now, let me tell you why I like the South Korean shows. First of all, they have everything. They have reality shows if you want that. They have dramas. They have detective shows, but they got some of the best dramedies, drama, comedy, romance, comedy out there. And they all are basically one season long. They're all basically one season long, 16 episodes from an hour to an hour and a half each. They are well-written. They're tight. And I'm going to tell you, they are really, really good shows. And you're going to love them like I am. Not only that, I go to PBS. You've heard me talk about PBS Passport. And there are some absolutely marvelous shows that are in foreign languages over there. Shows from the Netherlands, shows from France, you know, shows from Norway. They're all there and they're all available on Passport. Like I said, it's going to cost you $6.25 a month. It's well worth it, folks, for the best TV out there. And then you've got as I said, you've got other shows on Netflix, like Borgen, which is just outstanding, okay? Outstanding show we'll talk about in the future. I just read the other day that Netflix and Disney have ordered 36 new South Korean shows. They are so popular, so popular. The one show out there, which I will talk about in the future, is called The Extraordinary Attorney Woo. 430 million hours worth of viewing. Are you kidding me? 430 million hours worth of viewing. 
These are quality shows they're putting out, and that's what I am watching. Because I tell you what, I don't get a kick out of most English or American shows. I, I don't. I do get British shows, okay? I watch Acorn, and I, there's some wonderful British shows there, and Australian shows, or from New Zealand. They're wonderful shows, and that's what I'm going to talk about. So what I want to say to you all is let's buckle up, okay? Buckle up this week. Get your streaming subscriptions ready to go, because be prepared. In the upcoming weeks, I'm going to be talking about some absolutely wonderful foreign TV shows that I think you are going to really love, and that's what I've been looking at and will continue to be looking at for a long while. So anyway, that does it for today for Books and Looks, and I want to say thank you for listening, for following, for sharing. As I said, please follow and go to the people at booktrib.com. I think you'll really, really enjoy that book resource. On behalf of viewsonbooks.com, on behalf of the the AI, yeah, the, do I say thank you to the computer? Yeah. On behalf of Views on Books AI Podcast, the Greenville Podcast Company, this is Blaine DeSantis for Books or Looks saying, have a happy week of reading, and I'll see you next week.